Welcome to The Square, your podcast from the Iowa League of Cities, bringing you current and important topics from the communities across the state to your city's square. With your host, Mickey Shields, the Assistant Director of Membership Services at the Iowa League of Cities, and Bethany Kryle, the League's Communication Coordinator. Our hosts bring you topics that matter to your town square. Hi, Bethany. Hey, Mickey. (laughs) Welcome to The Square. I never know how to start these things. Yeah, it is a little awkward. It's a cold start. It's almost worse than ending. I feel like the ending is weird, too. Well, we're still amateurs, so we can get away yeah. with this, right? Yeah, we sure can. Well, we welcome, a, everybody. Yeah, it's thanks episode, for listening. What number are we on? Seven. 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 Still doing it. Yep. It's amazing. This is going to be a pretty fun uh, episode for us. It's our what we're calling our legislative preview. Yep. So we're going to talk to a couple of folks that uh, are important to our efforts here at the League. And the legislative session begins in January of every year, so it's it's time. It's time. It's here. Right. So as a reminder of that, we have our legislative day coming up in February, February 19th. Registration's available online for that, and I'm sure you'll hear more about that as the episode progresses, so we won't won't dwell on that now, but obviously you can get updates on all the things going on at the League and League Weekly. That's right. Yep. And there's one other thing we wanted to talk about quickly in the intro here, Mm -hmm. and that is our annual All-Star Community Awards. Yes. Which is part of our annual conference where we... Uh, award and recognize cities that are doing outstanding work. And that's part of uh, Bethany's role. It is part of my job. (laughs) So yeah, the All-Star Community Awards this year will honor uh, cities who've done great projects in the 2018 calendar year. That application's on our website right now too. So you can actually fill it out anytime throughout the year, but we're doing a big push now because the deadline for that is in in early April. So Yeah. yeah. So send in, a lot of cities do great work. Sometimes in our world, there's a lot of humble Yes. You don't want to brag about what you've been doing. This is your time, though, to share, um, not only to get recognition for your work, but also to share your ideas, share your successes with others so maybe they can latch on to those ideas and implement them locally. Right. In addition to just um, recognizing your community and the great things they're doing, it is also a way to tell other communities what you're doing and to share those positive things that are going on with other cities, but also with other citizens. And we found that the cities that do take the time to do it appreciate it. And their citizens appreciate it too, because it's a good chance after the project's been over for a while to go back Mm. and re-celebrate it um, and re-take a look at, at what you've done when all of the blood, sweat, and tears have kind of been um, shed already. That's so, right. yep. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So are we ready to get started? I think so. Okay. Well, we're going to start with an interview with Kim Downs, a city administrator in Hiawatha. And she's going to kind of talk about the city role in advocacy and legislative efforts and great, a lot of great thoughts from Kim in this interview. Great. Let's listen. Well, we are very fortunate to have Kim Downs, the city administrator in Hiawatha, join the square this month. Uh, Kim, how are you doing? Awesome. That's good. Awesome for, well, uh, for, for a cold day in January. <laughs> yeah, it's nice and warm inside <laughs> City Hall, I'm sure. Uh, it is. Good to be chatting with you, though. Yeah, so this month we're talking a lot about the League's legislative policies and uh, our, our role at the Capitol in advocating for cities. And one thing that we have is something called the Legislative Policy Committee, which you serve on. And I was just hoping that you could tell our listeners a little bit about that committee and your role on it and how the Legislative Policy Committee contributes to the League's advocacy efforts. Well, the the Policy Committee um, is consists of about 20 individuals. Um, They consist of mayors from communities, council members, city clerks, city administrators, and uh, 
mostly during the summer, the league themselves, you know, kind of recap what went on last year during last year's legislation. Mm -hmm. And then we discuss, you know, what we think the future legislation is going to look like. And it can be based on many different things. Sometimes it comes down to, um, you know, the House and the Senate side, Republican, Democrat split, mm-hmm. you know, majority Republican on both sides. And, and we discuss, will there will there be things that will get done? What are the things that need to be on our radar? Right. Uh, and typically, we always kind of set, set our value, our legislative values. And yep. um, this year, very similar to other years, um, Certainly, I think we have one, two, three, four, five different or four different ones. And certainly one of them is local control. Yeah. Um, and that's where we've been, the league's been talking a lot about home rule. You know, we you advocate for that. We advocate for that. And we try to express that to our legislators along with our citizenry. And, um, in fact, um when we when the league came out with its with home rule anniversary, mm-hmm. um, then you know we already back in February I had asked the city council to pass a resolution supporting and, and celebrating home rule and and we did some education um, yeah. earlier in the year, earlier last year in in regards to home rule because I, I I don't know that not everyone certainly people in city government understand home rule but our citizenry doesn't maybe necessarily understand yeah. what that all consists of and and honestly I think our legislators sometimes don't don't understand what that consists yeah. of yeah no I and think so that's many, true <laughs> <laughs> so many times you know we have these conversations with our legislators and and this is you know a very simple simple statement and that is you know what you do what you do well and let us do what we do well yeah and no one ever disagrees with that right you know, we're right. all in agreement with that because what works for Hiawatha doesn't necessarily may not necessarily work for Windsor Heights it may not necessarily work for Charles City I mean yeah. you know our issues and and our needs are are going to be different from one community to another and that's where um, you know we want to make sure that we have those conversations with our legislators especially when we see something coming down down the pike that that looks like we're losing control of our day-to-day operations and so that's one of them the other one certainly is financial stability Mm -hmm. and you can look at that as uh, you know mostly what we've been talking about for uh, a handful of years now is property tax backfill, right. which will continue to be a conversation. We'll definitely see that again mm-hmm. um, this session, and and I have to I have to say, and I truly believe last year the reason why it didn't why it didn't go as far and changes weren't great changes weren't made to it, and that was because we as as mayors and council members and administrators and city clerks we talked not only to the league but we went out and we talked to our legislators we showed up at legislative day and those i can talk more later about you know just building those relationships Mm -hmm. with your legislators because i mean honestly that is the only way that we'll continue in my opinion is that is the only way that we'll continue to maintain that backfill yeah and and then we have to start talking about if we don't then we need to start talking about them, talking to our legislators about what they're going to do 
to replace that or mm-hmm. give us the ability to replace that without penalizing us. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because when, yeah, yeah. I mean, they need to be, you know, they want us to grow, but sometimes it, sometimes you, it feels like they're limiting our growth. So mm-hmm. some of our communities, we, we are growing, we're out there working. We are, some of our communities are seeing economic development, Right. but then they cap it. You know, they cap mm-hmm. our growth, and that affects, of course, our bottom dollar when it comes to the general fund. Yeah. So we can talk all day about oh, gosh, yes. yeah. property yeah. tax backfill. <laughs> long, again, you know, economic development is certainly yeah. another top value for, for our committee and the league. And that, again, comes right back down to tax increment financing. And we've been mm-hmm. talking about TIF for forever oh gosh. <laughs> forever yeah. um i've i have been city government for um about 18 and a half years yeah and i've you know uh, honestly have got to see some different changes throughout the years and when our legislators get a hold of some of these things like property tax backfill and uh, you know franchise tax and uh, bank franchise fees and those types of things you know, eventually, um, you know, we, we, I have watched those go away over time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, but then we find another tool. We find another tool. TIF has certainly been one of those tools for us um, and will continue to be a tool. Um, you know, I know some, some people would like to say that TIF is not positive, mm-hmm. you know, that we're giving, we're giving money away. But if you're not having development and just overall in the state of Iowa, it's not just specific to Hiawatha, but we all, you know, we all want to grow. We all want to be prosperous. Our people who live in Iowa want to be prosperous too. So that comes with, you know, there's a whole umbrella of things that we need to have in Iowa to be able to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And TIF provides one of those tools for economic development. It brings businesses, it brings growth, expansion to businesses, it brings Mm -hmm. people, it brings rooftops. So all of those things all come together and, you know, and it's not, necessarily the chicken or the egg which comes first the chicken or the egg or the Mm, the chicken you know so it all works together as one and um and so trying to trying to find that 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 opening to be able to take advantage of economic development take advantage Mm -hmm. of business growth and um this tool really for hiawatha has been an awesome tool for hiawatha yeah. To the point where, you know, in two and a half years, um, you know, we have grown, uh, utilized development of about $60 million. Wow. Wow. So it, you know, so you think about that growth and you think yeah. about, you know, it added 400 full-time jobs mm. in just in Hiawatha and another hundred and some uh, part-time jobs along with the additional square footage. I mean, you think about all mm-hmm. of those things that um, help make Hiawatha a great place to live, work, and play. Yeah. Without that tool, I, and I and I realize it's not the primary, the only tool. Sure. In the box for developers and for business owners, but for Hiawatha, TIF is our only tool. Yeah. Um, we really don't have any other incentives other than the smiles on our face when you walk in the door <laughs> and, and our <laughs> yeah. and our willingness to help 
make their dream come true. Right. So, Which does go a long way, of course. It, but it, it does. Yes. It you need, does. It's, it as you said, it's usually, it's usually a combination of all sorts of things, both financial quality of life, um, who's on the ground, the local leaders that, uh, who wants mm-hmm. to, that somebody, a developer may want to work with. Um, so yes, it's, it's all the above. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, for Hiawatha, we definitely, um, we definitely see that advantage of that tool and the use of it. And I should also mention that, um, we work with our Spear Financial uh, for uh, mm-hmm. Lamar and um, Allers and Cooney for all of our bonding and, ha- and all of our tax increment financing, our urban renewal, revitalization, all of that. We work with those groups of people, and every one of them, if I've ever gone to a conference and heard them speak, use Hiawatha as the star child. We <laughs> do it right. And, you know, we're you know, the concerns that you hear other people talk about utilizing TIF to buy a dump, a, a city dump truck or, mm-hmm. you know, those types of things. Those things are few and far between and yep. are not the typical things that you that you take advantage of with TIF uh, for the city of Hiawatha that, that really, because of our expansion, it really does get used for that growth. It gets used for water, sewer infrastructure, your road infrastructure, landscaping, right. all of those types of things. Um, and so, and the other thing we do is we do very short agreements. Um, we do not have an agreement over five years and we don't max it out either. Um, mm-hmm. We use it, you know, we have kind of a rule of thumb, 75% five years, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Um, and so that that has been, according to to those two teams, that is the way to do it. And yeah. and and it gets something on the tax roll where you know it's bare land. You're getting something put on it, and that you get to see that value mm-hmm. over time. And um, you're not. It's we don't feel like we're losing or that we're losing out by by having that tool in place. Right. Yeah. It's it's certainly critical. And as you said, it'll likely come up. It's come up pretty much every legislative session for a long, long time. But it is, it is yeah. a, a tool that I think most communities find uh, to be v- extremely valuable and necessary uh, to help uh, with their development efforts. You mentioned before, um, especially with the the, uh, the backfill discussions last legislative session, there were some proposals to make some changes to that. And in my time here at the league, I, I'm not sure I've ever seen our membership take a more active interest at the grassroots level to talk to their legislators, inform them the impact to their budget if there was any reduction or elimination of the backfill funding from the state. And I think that, as you mentioned before, in part really um, helped them understand what this means to our city budgets, along with schools and counties, of course. So what kind of grassroots efforts do you all do in Hiawatha um, in regards to legislative advocacy? And there's anything, maybe some tips for other cities that you would share with our listeners? Well, you know, this is something that we have been doing here in Hiawatha now for at least, I want to say, 12 years. Lots of times, um, you know, our legislators, I don't, I think sometimes we're, maybe people are afraid to talk to them, you know, mm-hmm. that they're, yeah. you know, they're state legislators, right. you know, you're kind of in awe of them or, right. or maybe not in awe of them. But, yeah. Yeah. Know, it's really, no, I think, that's, I think that happens. <laughs> really, so I do, yeah. I think there's some yeah, kind of intimidation. Yeah. 
it, not, it and that's not the legislator's you know, fault. I just think it's with politicians in no. general. People are kind of, you know, it, oh, can I talk exactly. to them? Yeah. Right, right. And you want to, and you want to, you want to sound intelligent, and you right. want to, you know, know what you're talking about, kind of thing. But I think the thing that we always have to remember, and that is, you know, what they they put their pants on the same way we do. Yeah. They have families the same as we do. They they're yeah. no different than we are. In in actuality, just talking to them like you'd be talking to your friend, your council member, your coworker, you know, whoever that is, you just talk to them in the same way. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, these are individuals that are out there, you know beating the street, working hard, and, and they're working hard for the same people that we're working hard for. Absolutely, yeah. And it's really, it's just, you know, you, first and foremost, you need to tell them thank you for doing this, do, you know, taking the position and being mm-hmm. willing to represent your communities, um, even though, even if you don't agree with everything that mm-hmm. they do or say, yeah. But they're still putting their neck out on the line. They're, Absolutely, yeah, they're the that's a great point. Having the conversations with all the different people. And so first and foremost, um, you do want to tell them thank you for, for the hard work that they're doing. And then have your and then have your conversations. You know, you really do need to build those relationships because, you know, there were years ago, they would make, you know, you'd make changes, I think, for some communities, you might remember the farm-to-market roads and mm-hmm. the legislation making changes to those and having to decide, do those dollars, is the county going to take those roads over? Is the city going to maintain them? But then you had to work through the dollars yeah. that you would get from the state. And, and you know, starting to have those conversations, I mean, you wouldn't have had, people weren't having those conversations. So it ended up, especially in smaller communities, you didn't really know how that was all going to work. And you mm-hmm. really needed to be talking to the legislators about that and how that affects you uh, and how it affects your budgets. And mm-hmm. so that particular instance, that initiative got tacked on the bottom of a bill and it really kind of just glided itself through without having a lot of hoopla on it or in regards to it. And so yeah, yeah. that's when I really learned that you have to pay attention to those things that are important to you, important to your community and having the opportunity to talk to your legislators about them so that when they are in, you know, when they really are in that seat and they're needing to make a decision and vote, they're going to remember your conversation or if they're kind of struggling um, in making a decision they may shoot you an email. They may, yeah. honestly, now they text nowadays. So, <laughs> so <laughs> they may text, you know, just text you and sure. say, hey, this is coming up. What are your thoughts? But if you don't establish that relationship, they're not going to ask you and you're not yep. going to get the opportunity to tell. Yeah, that's so, so true. It is. And, and it really is having building those relationships with your legislators. And over the years, um, especially the last couple of years, um, I am getting those. I am getting those phone calls, those texts, those emails, and I do take the opportunity to remind them when I hear something. Um, so, with the legislative policy, there's a legislative link. So, when when you're seeing something in that legislative link that is important to you, take the take the time to to send them send them a note, send them yeah. an email. You got their phone number. Send them a text. Give them a call. Um, 
you know, I even have gotten calls on weekends or at home or, hey, heads up, this is coming, this is coming, mm-hmm. this is going to be coming through next week. Um, it, you know, and that I'm very appreciative of that, um, even though it may seem, especially with the property tax bill. Mm-hmm. I remember last year thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm exhausted and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> having these conversations. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it was that one last tax because I've, I've been talking to them, yeah. you know, all the legislator, our right. representatives about it. It's like okay, you know, you you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, you call, you say uncle, you, yeah, but right. it's like, no, this is important. I can't say uncle. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. That's so, right. So sending out that one last text and and just making sure that you're just in you're you're in front of them and they recognize you. They call you by name, um, and so take that. It really is very valuable. Mm-hmm. Another instance that I should share that was really valuable is the um, GMT bill that was passed in this last session, mm-hmm. and and that is the grounds emergency medical um, transit. And those were dollars essentially. If you in your community, we in Hiawatha, we haven't we have an ambulance mm-hmm. um, service, and so. Um, Somehow or another, and I don't even, I can't even recall how like, how I stumbled across this one, but I was reading somewhere in an article about funding that the federal government, they have these dollars, and essentially, they're just sitting in there waiting for people to draw on them. Oh, but yeah. you need to have at your state level, at your state level, you have to have, you have to have the policy, the process, the processes in place for ambulance services to even apply for those dollars. And it's, um, you know, Medicaid, essentially, it's when you're making, you know, you're making your runs and, and the the individual, um, the individuals are, you know, Medicaid um, uh, insurance carriers. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to capture a percentage of dollars that you would normally have to write off. You're able to capture these mm-hmm. dollars through this bill, and yeah. um, we ended up working uh, with Ashley Henson to help us get that through. And we were able, along with three other, three or four other communities, um, were able to actually get that through and pass this last this last session. And um, we're still in the process. There's still the state is still in the process of getting all of all you know getting everything in line for applications, mm-hmm. all of those different things that yeah. they need to get in line. But um, I would say by summer, fall, we should be able to start applying for those dollars. Um, and that will help That will help for, for the city of Hiawatha. That could be anywhere from uh, thirty dollars to $60,000 that we can put in the general fund yeah. to help pay for those things that we would typically have been right. writing off. Yeah, so, that's huge. Um, so, that's you know that's just an example of something that that is a positive for for everyone. Yeah. And we needed we needed we needed the state of Iowa's assistance to be able to do that. Right. And that was one way. Yeah. It all it all starts with that. It all starts with that relationship, as you said, communicating it's, with your legislators, building that relationship, and that's um, such a I think critical aspect of this. A great. Uh, point to, to make to the, our listeners about 
Um, how do you do this effectively? You've got to start from the start. You've got to say hi and, and then become somebody that they can count on when it comes to any kind of issues related to cities. So that's certainly a good lesson for our listeners. Um, we thank you for your time. I really appreciate all your all your points today, Kim. One last question. Are we going to see you or some others from Hiawatha at this year's Legislative Day? Absolutely. You all are. right. Legislative <laughs> Day is definitely one of one of. I really enjoy that day, and we do take advantage. Um, you know, when you were talking about building relationships with with your legislators, that. Legislative Day is one way to do that, mm-hmm. and it really gives you the opportunity. Um, it, when you go, plan on visiting, make an appointment with your legislator, your representatives, and have let them know that you're there. Yeah. Let them know that you're there. Talk to them yeah. about those things that you know are on the radar and those things that will be discussed um, in this next session, and that have an in and and don't stop there. Don't you know if right. you haven't done it done something like that start with legislative day but then don't stop there throughout throughout the year make sure you're you're communicating with your legislator in fact we i forgot to mention this we actually invite them to come here to city hall and just sit with with staff sit with our council members sit with our mayors and we just have an open discussion and we do that with each each of our representatives here um, in Hiawatha, and yeah. it's always very welcoming, and it's always yeah. um, very interesting to see what where they think the session is going to go, what they think that the top conversations are going to be, what some of the new initiatives are. So you you kind of get a heads up by doing that as well, and so yeah. certainly value very much value that time um, with our legislators. But just you know, if you haven't started it, this is a great time. Yeah. To, to begin a new initiative with your with yourself, your mayors and your council members. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, I look forward to seeing you and the rest of the good folks from Hiawatha here in um, just over a month. Kind of hard to believe it. Legislative Day will be February 19th. So, yeah, looking forward to it. But thanks again for all your time, Kim, and all your good advice for our listeners and sharing your experience working on legislative advocacy. It's And we appreciate all your efforts, you and the team there in Hiawatha. You guys are outstanding and um, really uh, leaders in this area. So we really appreciate your work. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And in the same um, reciprocating that back to the League of Cities too. <laughs> sure. You know, we couldn't do that. We couldn't do the things that, that we are doing without your guidance and your assistance and giving us the words that sometimes mm-hmm. we can't quite, you know, put together ourselves and, very much appreciate that and, re- and appreciate the relationships that we have with men, with you and many of the other, um, the many, all the other staff that you have yeah. there. They're wonderful people and enjoy working with well, you. Well, I'll be sure to tell them that. Well, thanks again for uh, joining yes. the square. Always good to chat with you. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. And thanks again to Kim for lending her time and expertise to all of our listeners, that's a lot of um, great thoughts from somebody who's been doing this for a little while. And uh, Hiawatha is just one of those communities that really uh, does things well. You can see it there in their community. They work well with their legislators, have for a long time. So, again, we appreciate her taking the time to join us on The Square. We're going to jump into our next segment, which is the Your Questions Answered segment, right? Yes. This month, what do we have? 
This month on our Your Questions Answered segment, we have um, a question that that I think comes up fairly often in communities, and that is, what limitations do cities have in establishing local property taxes? Yeah, and it's really no surprise it would come in this time of year, because this is when a lot of cities are doing their mm-hmm. budget work. And so we tend to get a lot of questions about the budget and property taxes, since that's such a key component to city budgets. And the limitations are in the state code. You really cannot, at the local level, we have home rule, of course, but one of the um, things we cannot do is just create a property tax out of thin air. You can't just come up with something and say, we're going to start doing this property tax now here in our city. You have to follow what's in the state code, which there are um, over 20 property tax levies available to cities to use. Now, many of them are, are fairly limited in scope and in size. They don't maybe generate a whole bunch of revenue. But every city out there, you have a general fund levy uh, available to you. That's very commonly used. Every city in Iowa uses that levy. There's a handful of others that are also very commonly used. Um, some of them have caps on the amounts, just like that $8.10. And that when I say $8.10, that is per $1,000 of taxable valuation. Uh, so you have to always be mindful of the caps on those levies and then also be mindful of all the levies you're using. What is your total levy rate? Um, there's kind of a menu of different options you have with those levies, but the more you use, of course, means the more tax rates you are adding up to tax your citizens. So it's always a balancing act, is what we say to cities. It's a balancing act between what you need uh, to provide those services, those really important services to your citizens, but also not charging them so much that they uh, may show up at City Hall with pitchforks and torches. So. It's, it's, do people still do that these days? <laughs> have you had a city call you and tell you about not, that? <laughs> not, not recently, but you do have to do a public hearing prior to adopting your budget. So if you come out with a tax rate that's like double last year's, yeah, you're probably going to have some people at your public hearing. Where would you buy a pitchfork these days? To a... Oh, boy. Pitchforks are us. <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Amazon, there you go. And now with the online sales tax, you can actually get some Right, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad deal. Back no. in your community, if you shop online, yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry, yes. where can cities learn more about this? Do we have information on our website? We sure a special do. report, maybe? Yes, a budget special report we put out each November. It's on our website in the publication section. We also have a bunch of information on our property tax system in Iowa, another special report on that along with several pages in our membership resources pages on our website, iowaleague.org. Check it all out. Always send in questions about that because you may have some individual questions related to your city budget that you may may need some help with, and that's what we're here for. Okay. Well, thanks for that answer, Mickey. It's always a great question, and uh, happy to answer it. Well, in the second half of our segment or our episode today, we're going to talk with Robert Palmer. He's our general counsel and director of government affairs at the League. And thanks for being joining us at the square, Robert. Thanks for having me, you guys. We've got quite a fun little program here. I didn't realize it would be as relaxed as it is. Thanks for coming down uh, like two offices from your office. Yeah, but luckily uh, it's not too much of a transition because this office is just as loud and noisy as mine is. So it's, it's very comfortable in here for me. Yes. Very toasty in Studio B at the league. Well, should we get started? We've got a lot of questions for you. All right, let's you get to it. So one thing that I like, hope our listeners understand is generally speaking, what is your role in the league's advocacy efforts? Yeah, so generally speaking, and we can kind of go a couple different directions with this, but my colleague Daniel, who works here at the Iowa League of Cities with us, Daniel's newer, but I hope a lot of our members have had the opportunity to meet him. Um, we represent the membership of the Iowa League of Cities, 
uh, at the state capitol every day. And so you could describe us as kind of the eyes, ears, and mouthpiece uh, of the league's membership in the capitol. And so um, you know, what we do is we make sure that our membership's voices, thoughts, opinions, um, and impacts of legislation are heard at the capitol and that legislators are aware of them. So Kim talked a little bit already about some of the legislative values, but uh, what are your thoughts on those this coming year? I know um, those values are something our membership has identified as being very important to us, of course, but very important to cities. So um, just, you know, what are, what are you thinking about when you look at those values? Yeah, so the full language of the league's legislative values can be found, uh, like most other things, on our website, but there are four main areas. So Kim may have touched on these, but local control, financial stability, and economic development. Now, I want to kind of take one step back and mention that in the past, we've referred to these as legislative priorities. But this year and likely moving forward, we're referring to them as legislative values. So in practice, there is no change. We'll still take this through the same process of being approved and developed by our legislative policy committee, being approved by the league's executive board, and then being approved by the full membership at our annual conference each fall. Um, what we think uh, that this change has made is that it, it more positions the value statements for what they are, um, meaning that what we've been putting are narrative statements that describe how cities operate, what our members are looking for. And those are more of league values, whereas a priority would be saying something to the nature of, um, we want to increase the gas tax by 10 cents. A value statement is something more of making sure and ensuring that cities have the resources to meet the infrastructure and technological needs into the future. And so that's how we've kind of written them. And I think the intention here um, is to position these like a logo or a motto. We want legislators to see them and our members, but uh, I'll get back to that in a second, but we want legislators to see them and become comfortable with them and to understand them. That way they can kind of take them with them. It's not just me coming forward and saying, remember legislator XYZ, this is what cities want. It's something that they will remember and say, you know, I know my cities want financial stability. Will this legislation provide them with that financial stability? Mm -hmm. So that's what we really hope they'll do for legislators. From our membership's perspective, since we've kind of gone this route beginning in the summer, I've been out and others have been out talking to a lot of groups about it, and our members seem to feel like this is intuitive. This is something that they would have written the, the value statements the same way we did. And I think that's a reflection on how we came up with them. What I did was I took the past 15 years of legislative priorities, took them all, kind of put them together and saw what are the commonalities and how can we phrase this so that it generically represents what our members have wanted for over a decade. And we landed on the value statements that you'll find on our website today. Uh, you asked how they uh, shape our advocacy. So, you know, through that process, um, we go out, we hear from members, members email us, call us, we go through the legislative policy committee process. And it allows us to understand what our members are looking for and where they stand on various issues, whether those are possible upcoming issues, whether they're issues we've seen in the past. And through that interaction, it helps me and our other legislative staff understand who are our members and what do they want. Mm -hmm. And then it's that basis that we use um, to really advise us during the legislative session in the Capitol. Obviously, the, pa the pace is very quick, so we try and do our best to get feedback on every yeah. issue that we can. Um, but there's a lot of issues that come up and need a response very quickly. And we're, we're careful not to overcommit, but we want to make sure that we have some basis to begin to provide a narrative to legislators. And this process really helps us do that. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, so they really reflect what our membership has identified for several years and continues to see as being very important to them and as to our wider membership and not just individual cities, but everybody um, really believes in these values. Yeah. And they provide a lens for us to look at legislation through. And so um, it helps me look through that lens at legislation. And we hope that it'll help legislators look through that lens uh, at legislation as well. Just, you know, a lens is another way of saying from our perspective, we want them to understand our perspective. Sure. So as you mentioned, we know that during session days can get a little long and crazy, but could you give our listeners just a, a general sense of what maybe a typical or a standard day is like at the Capitol, if there is such a thing? Yeah. So the great thing that I love about my job is that there is no typical day in the Capitol or out of the Capitol <laughs> other than, or standard. So other than the common goal of advocating on behalf of cities, every day can be a little bit different. Um, there's a very wide variety of legislative topics that impact cities, everything from economic development, infrastructure, to transparency in government, just to name a few. So this means we're involved in an incredibly large number of meetings, whether they're subcommittee meetings, committee meetings, or one-on-one individual meetings with legislators. So that's sometimes I feel like the days are just me scrambling, trying to make it <laughs> to all of the meetings that I have to be at uh, throughout a given day. But you know, there is some kind of commonality. I try and arrive at the Capitol around 7 a.m. That gives me an opportunity to go through emails, to see what the agenda will be for the day, to kind of plan out my day and find out where do I need to be and what do I need to be focusing on early in the morning before others arrive. Uh, And then we do subcommittees and committee meetings throughout the day. And we leave the Capitol when legislators do. So, I mean, a, a common way to think of it is if legislators are in the building, so are we, which, you know, on a personal note, I think frustrates my wife a little when she says, what time will you be home tonight? And I legitimately and honestly say, I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll try and let you know when I know. So Does arriving that early allow you to get a good parking spot? Yeah. <laughs> you ask that because you know that's one of the reasons I get there. I don't like traffic and I like to park close. So it does. Well, parking I, is not a, an easy proposition. No, it makes session, it hard right? to leave during the day when you have as good of a parking spot as I get. All right. Especially those snowy days. and Absolutely. Yeah. Well, wrapping up here, what's the best way for cities to stay up to date, um, stay informed about what's going on with the legislative uh, activities related to cities? Well, there's a couple formal ways. One would be to subscribe to the Legislative Link. Legislative Link is our legislative newsletter that goes out each Friday. We try and have it out around noon so that uh, our members can read it before they go home for the weekend. It gives you something to look at, understand where legislation is at through the process. Hopefully, we're able to convey to you what the legislation does and how it may impact your city. Obviously, we don't know of all of the individualized impacts. That's what we rely on our members for. But we do our best to kind of describe the legislation. And that way you have it for the weekend if you're going to be meeting with your legislators or if you have time to communicate with them, whether it's in person, by phone, by email. Uh, So we want you to have that resource. That's one of the best ways because it helps you keep track of what's going on. Another formal way uh, would be attending the League's Legislative Day, which Bethany mentioned earlier. That's always a great opportunity for our members to come down to the state capitol, to set meetings with their legislators, to hear from various policy leaders on on a wide variety of issues. Um, and so we're really looking forward to that this, uh, this year as well. You know, in other ways, I would say just reach out to us. Uh, mm-hmm. League staff, whether it's myself, Daniel, uh, Mickey and Bethany here in the office, sure. we're all really uh, willing to help out. And so um, that's one. If you read about it in your newspaper, if you hear about it in a conversation with a legislator, feel free to shoot me an email and, and we do our best to get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, but we want to make sure you have the information that you need back at home. 
The other thing I would say about legislative link is that it includes links to all of the legislation that we mentioned. So if a city is really passionate or really cares about a certain piece, they can kind of explore that more. And then this year you've also added uh, a list of legislative forums that are going on around the state. And do you want to talk a little bit about why those are important? Yeah, so that's something, as you know, we started uh, about midway through last year, and it's something that I just am surprised we um, hadn't previously done. It, it just hadn't occurred to us. But we want to make sure that our members are out there and engaged, and so we want to provide um, those opportunities for them. I, I go back and say one of the reasons we didn't do it is it's difficult to do it on a statewide basis, mm -hmm. as you know. And so we have a lot of forums that we have to publicize, but we want everybody to have that opportunity. If you say, I'd like to connect with my legislator this weekend, we want you to be able to look at Legislative Link and know where you might be able to do that within your district. There's not always a forum or a coffee happening in every district, but generally speaking during the session, there, there's usually multiple opportunities um, to hear from your legislator. And, and also, you could reach out to them individually, but I think those forums provide a really nice opportunity to hear what they're saying to constituents. I mean, this is something that's just absolutely critical to our membership. And I think even last year it showed so well the grassroots advocacy really made an impact in several different ways. And so I would encourage all the listeners, all the cities out there to get involved, but both at home and with the league here and come down to Legislative Day. It does make an impact. Your relationships with your legislators is absolutely crucial to our success as a team. So with that, I want to also add, I think, speaking for Bethany and everyone here and all of our members, really, how uh, much we appreciate Robert's efforts, along mm -hmm. with Daniel's now that he's joined the team, because that's, that is, as you said, the, the face, the mouth of the league during session. Um, sometimes you're up against some very strong interests, and we have, um, we have ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a pack, We don't have uh, funding, and we just have to work hard. I think, you know, I think it's also important for our members to know that um, during the legislative session, it's, it's really a whole staff effort. So, I mean, Daniel and I may be up there at the Capitol, um, but, you know, without Bethany, we wouldn't get legislative link out. Without right. Mickey, I wouldn't know where we stand on half the issues. Without Aaron, we wouldn't have our research arm. So it really is a whole staff effort. And I think everybody uh, coming together and working well together is one of the ways we're able to be successful. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on this and um, joining the, the podcast for the legislative preview. Good luck to you, <laughs> Daniel, this year. And to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she waits for you at home. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, now since we uh, have Robert here in the studio, we thought we'd... <laughs> You're not off the hook just yet. <laughs> no, we thought we'd take advantage of the time and get to know you a little bit better outside of your role with the league. So thanks for joining our Get to Know the League segment. All right. Well, thanks for having me again. <laughs> You're back. A twofer. A twofer. That's right. So one thing that we start, we start with all those staff. We just want a little bit of background of, you know, where you grew up, where you went to school, that kind of uh, what's your sort of you personal got to the story. Yeah. Wow. All right. So we've got about three hours. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Uh, who's ordering lunch? You're not that old. <laughs> uh, so born in North Carolina, we moved to Iowa in 93 during the flood, which my mm. mom still laughs about and thinks was kind of a sign. Um, and, you know, went to uh, elementary school, high school, all here in, in West Des Moines. So not too far from the offices. And then did a, a brief stint in Florida, I like to call it, kind of an exploratory period after high school, <laughs> but then came back, um, went to Drake and, and University and Drake Law School. And through Drake Law, while I was doing internships, I was working up at the Capitol for two years. 
And so I'd made a lot of great connections and, and knew um, some people who worked here at the league and, and a position became available and, and I put my name into the hat and interviewed and five years later, the rest is history. So when you're not in the office or you're not at the Capitol <laughs> or not at meetings, where can you be found? What, what do you, uh, what's your fun so th- stuff you like to do? This one's easy. I have a 10-month-old son. <laughs> yeah. And so they I tend I, to take some time. Yeah, I think that, that was my answer too. Yeah. I have kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I do. Well, I absolutely enjoy it. So I mean, of course, there's your, the little side projects. I like to jog, and I've got a, a dog I like to play with. But really, the majority of my time right now is spent watching a youngster, particularly when we're par- preparing for a legislative session where I'm going to be away from home a lot. Yeah. So um, if you're looking for me, I'm probably rolling around on a floor somewhere with a 10 month old. That's cool. So what is the uh, best career advice you've ever received? That I've ever received? Well, I don't know that I can uh, credit it to any one source, but I think generally it would be show up and work hard, right? I mean, uh, there's a great quote somewhere by someone, you can Google it, but it's what 90% of life is just showing up. And I think that's really true. The, the number of opportunities you have from being somewhere and it's it's being there to be part of the team, but also um, to connect with people who can provide you with additional opportunities. I think that's incredibly important. And then, you know, being able to work hard positions you for not only being trusted to be a part of something, but, you know, often when you work hard and you can kind of lead on a project, it gives you a lot more authority over that issue. And, and that builds upon itself and can lead to other opportunities. Absolutely. So last thing here, what do you enjoy about working with cities? This is a great question. Um, I think it's kind of twofold. One would be the wide variety of areas. I certainly do not get bored. I am constantly (laughs) learning about um, new areas, some of which seem logical and some of which I never thought I would have to do research on and kind of get into the policy area of it. So that's really exciting. And it's um, it's certainly more work when you get a new issue, but it's also really interesting to um, to learn about the impacts that you might not always think of to our membership. I think the other part of it is who our membership is. I have the privilege to represent elected officials who have decided to give their time to their communities. They want to make their communities a better place for their neighbors and for their families. And my job is to go up to the Capitol and do everything I can to make sure that they have the resources and the tools and the flexibility to be able to do that. Well said. Well said. Well, thanks for joining us, Robert. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Robert. Well, thanks again to Kim and Robert for joining the Square. Really appreciate them coming on and shared so many great thoughts. We're going to wrap up as we normally do with our with our monthly trivia. Yes. So first, we're going to go back to last month to answer that one. And the question was, what is Iowa's newest city? And the answer is Maharishi Vedic City. So that was incorporated in July of 2001 as Vedic City. And then they added the Maharishi to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit later. And then uh, that was the, the newest city in, a, in about a decade. So yeah. I believe the last, the second youngest, the second newest uh-huh. is Beaconsfield. And that so, was what year? Uh, two, 1990. Wow. 1990. Now, you might, you can fact check me on that if you want to, <laughs> folks, and uh, let us know if we're wrong there. But. Right. Send in your questions and comments to the square right. at iowaleague.org if you, if you want to contest any of these right. uh, exactly. answers. Exactly. But uh, our crack research team, quote unquote, As namely in Bethany. Internet search engines. Right. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. That's yeah. a, a couple new cities. 
Um, so then our this month's trivia, we're going to ask, and you can, again, send in your answers to the square at iowaleague.org, which city had the largest increase in population from 2000 to 2010? As many of you know, the 2020 census is right around the corner, so it's kind of time to be thinking about all that, our populations. So again, what is the largest increase in population, city increase from 20 or from 2000 to 2010? And then listen next month to hear the answer, right? That's right. All right. All right. Well, hey, again, send, uh, stay up to date with League Weekly. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And stay tuned for next month. We'll be coming back to you in February with a brand new episode. With promises to be a lot of fun. Just like this one. <laughs> Talk to you soon. See you at the square. Thank you.